Hi guys, welcome to Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And I'm Alex. And this week we have no idea what we're going to be talking about just yet. I mean, last week we went in with the clear mission of we are definitely talking about Twin Peaks for like three hours. Um, this week, uh, well, we've got stuff to talk we about. We do have stuff so to talk about. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, we're, we're just going to see where this takes us. Uh, so I think I want to start off with one thing in particular. Start off. Alex, yeah. how do you feel now that we live in Robot Jocks? Uh, yes. I watched that. Did you watch I that? I watched it. I heard about it on NPR. Uh. <laughs> I was I was getting ready for bed last night because I'm an old man and I get ready for bed at like 10 o'clock. And I was just kind of, you know, scrolling through my my uh, my Facebook feed and I saw, oh, oh, that's happening. Oh, that's happening tonight. Oh, that's happening right now. And then you watched <laughs> and it. And then I watched it. Um, I watched it this morning. Uh, I had the day off, and so I watched it with my grandma, actually. And for, she, <laughs> she was into it. Oh she was gosh. really into it. Yeah. Oh, God. Once again, plugging the Alex and Grandma <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. Like, I would seriously listen to no, the shit I, out yeah, of that. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so, yeah. that that For those of you who maybe don't know what we're talking about, there was a giant robot fight. Yeah. Between Megabox Incorporated and Kuba- Kubatas? Karatas. Something, Karatas, yes. America versus Japan. America versus Japan. Yeah. Round two. This thing that went around the internet two years ago. Yeah. It was a challenge from this company that apparently only makes giant robots. Um, I mean, if you're going to make one thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to this other company in Japan that also apparently makes uh, giant robots. But apparently they do other stuff too because it's Karatas heavy industries. Yes. Um, but Megabots challenged Karatas and then Karatas up the ante. It's like, okay, your robot's cool. But I want to punch it. Yeah. And so you got to make a new robot. And so they did. Well, it wasn't that they they had to make a new robot. It was, you know, I wanted to do a one a, a hand-to-hand fight. Mm-hmm. And then Megabots were like, whoa, we, we built this guy to shoot stuff. Because we're Americans. <laughs> Americans with guns. Um, and so they built a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was called Steel... I, no, Iron... Iron Resolve, something like something that. Something like that. Uh, and then the the second one it's has the Eagle be- Prime. Eagle Prime, and which it's got is like the- a yes. it's got like a, a fucking eagle's head it looks mounted like, on the shoulder. It looks like fucking Judge Dredd from the comic <laughs> books, and I love it. Okay, but here's what I want to know: is did the robot fight confirm your grandma's fears about the robopocalypse? No, she doesn't have any fears about the robopocalypse. Okay, or that- at least if she does, it's not about robots that are piloted by people. Okay, because I remember over the summer her oh, yeah. being ups- like her being upset of at Nick and my Fitbits and about the little robot that tells us when oh, to walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how like robots are slowly <laughs> taking over everything. Yeah. So I wanted to know. Or is she like happier that the robots are fighting themselves yeah. rather than telling as long us as fatties when to like get I up mean, and move? I mean, she realizes she she she's not she's not um, senile. She knows that these <laughs> these robots are piloted by people. They're it, like one of them set up like a jet plane where there's two people one behind the other. Yeah. So like she understands that they're just machines. It's yeah. not that she's afraid of. She's just you know like old people are with technology we fear change so the um but no this was good they had they had two rounds like the first one it was it, japan only brought one robot yeah uh but come but, on i mean it was a well, don't bring one robot to a two in, robot fight in y'all. fairness it's because the american team built a, their very own a, a separate robot purely for the purposes of fighting this robot yeah 
And then the Japanese team was like, well, we still want to fight that first robot. <laughs> <laughs> so they did. So they did. And they American exceptionalism. If if you do show we have quick spoilers for the the I, outcome of the thing I or mean, should we just tell people to go everyone watch Everyone saw it. This is like spoiling the 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 Mayweather like, or McGregor fight or whatever. <laughs> everyone knows how that turned out. Even I know how that one turned out. How did that one turn out? Um <laughs> Mayweather won. <laughs> um, yes, and and apparently uh, a lot of racists were, were very upset about that, as, as they often are. Um, In the Berlin Olympics. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was the uh, it was the great fight of racism versus sexism, and sexism won. So. Yeah. But in this case, that that joke was stolen from Chapo Trap House. Uh, I have to give credit. <laughs> In this case, though, it was um, Japan won the first round. Just like straight up knocked over the robot. <laughs> yeah, it was like he just kind of turned with like a huge fist outstretched and like barreled straight at the other robot, oh and then God. and it just tipped the hell no, over. It, like it got off one shot and did nothing, and then just boom. It was it was a one punch man fight. Uh, the second two, because like the second robot, they had. Of uh, two fights, one where it got caught in lock. It wasn't two fights; it was two rounds. It was two rounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and America ended up on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. America. So the Ameri- the American one that that one actually lasted two rounds. Like it was kind of crazy. So the first one they got kind of caught up on each other, mm-hmm. and so they 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 stopped the fight there to kind of disentangle the robots. <laughs> um, and so then during when the ra- they're between rounds, the American robot has modular weapons. So it it put out its its rocket la- like it has paintball rocket launcher. Yeah. It took that off and it replaced it with a fucking giant chainsaw. Which I was like <laughs> if this fight ends with these guys like chainsawing into the cockpit accidentally and like murdering the <laughs> Japanese pilot like, no, no. What's gonna happen? <laughs> that's that's why they they have. That's ha- how World War Three starts. That's how World War Three like, starts. We think it's gonna start. World War Three over... is just an anime. That's how that happens. <laughs> no, we think World War Three is gonna start with like Trump and North Korea over Twitter, but really it was the accidental death. Yeah. Of, of some of Japanese of engineers. Kura- yeah. yeah. Which which actually brings me to the next thing that I kind of wanted to oh, talk oh, about. I wanted with. to talk more oh, about this for oh, a Okay, yeah, well, yeah. I, this is related to it. Oh, okay. You go ahead. All right, so so basically, I don't know if you guys had seen it. I had been following this for two years, and there were other you know promotional videos that came out and such. And also, there was uh, some kind of meeting that they had with potential investors. Yeah. Uh, where basically they were trying to sell this to investors, not just as a single fight, but as the beginning yeah, of a league. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what, that's what I was actually going to. Is like, we, we just live in robot jocks now. <laughs> and so I, I, I did want to talk about the potential that we now have to avoid nuclear apocalypse is to just grease up Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Stick them in giant robots. Put them in the giant robots. This is the perfect plan because Donald Trump is like a three-year-old child and if you just put him oh God, in the seat, so he would be so happy. It's like it's He like, would be America's special little boy all day. <laughs> you see um, the picture of him in the, in the truck. truck. Yeah, It's that, yeah. but times ten. Yes, yes. Oh my God. Just tell him it's gigantor. Is, we, need to, we need to call the UN. Yeah. 
We need to develop a, a resolution. So, so it would work. Is, it, would I, work I, it would work on that end for Trump. Like Trump is just a perpetual. Child. I want to see the and North like Korean Merkel mech. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, the North Korean mech would be incredible. It'd be awesome. It'd be look. It would look amazing on the outside, and then inside there would be nothing. <laughs> It'd be just like that pyramid in uh, Pyongyang, <laughs> Pyongyang Hotel. Yeah, oh but then like Kim Jong Un is just such a huge weeb. Like he would just want to be in it. Like you know that guy watches anime like all the time like he yeah. just well okay his, but then like like angela merkel comes in and yeah. it's just like you people need to grow up like i am just i am embarrassed i'm, I'm gonna go vote against me. homosexual marriage yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Grown up got, got some big grown-up things to do <laughs> gotta go suck every bit of money i can out of greece yeah. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> but you know i mean like and that's how germany actually takes over yeah, the world yeah. is by like, calling everyone's deaths yeah, yeah. <laughs> They are the Lannisters of our time. Oh, jeez. Uh. Um, but no, I, 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 I'm pushing for this. World, make this happen. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you're listening well, to I this. Well, I think Megabox <laughs> is trying to make that yeah, happen. Yeah, no, no, I know. But I'm just saying, if they're listening to this. Are you there, world? <laughs> now, see, some nerds. Now, see, yeah. this could go either awesomely where it's like that, or it could be, go horribly where it's not nations that are competing, but corporations. Oh, oh yeah. It's God. like Toyota. Wait, the, it, the Toyota bots versus the Mitsubishi bots. It, it, wait, which one? Of, oh, no, because it was like a it was like a whole, because I'm think, still thinking about robot jocks. Sorry. <laughs> um, it was like a whole, like, like basically there were just two countries. Is that how that, that movie went? I don't know. I don't remember. I want to say that it was like the Warsaw Pact, just like, I mean, as, as much as it was already a single country, like it just kind of solidified into one country and then like NATO was its own country. But it was basically just America. Like, What I'm, about Yugoslavia though? <laughs> Yugoslavia though. <laughs> it was not a line. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that was where they were fighting. They were fighting in some They're sort of neutral territory. <laughs> There was some neutral territory. I don't oh know. God. They basically just all turned an entire country into all robot fights will now take place exclusively in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a terrible place to have a robot. No, fight. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagine it's like it's like Frankenstein, you know, like they're into the, they're on top of Mount Mont Blanc <laughs> and just <Yes>. like. <laughs> but uh... think of the Coco. Yeah. Okay. Oh my Robo Coco. <laughs> Uh, Robo Coco. It's Robo a Robo Coco here. <laughs> it practically markets Robo itself. Marshmallows. Oh, oh my gosh, goodness. this concept, baby. The future baby. is now. We're moving to the Swiss Alps, and we're opening up a robot. Robot. <laughs> robot that's right. Yes, arena. This so, is, yeah. So here's the here's the ultimate question. Goals. Here's the ultimate question, though. So so okay. So we we're living in robot jocks now. We're trying to solve all the world's problems. Was that fight actually worth watching? Because I'm still on, like, I'm still not sure. From a historic perspective, yeah, as I, the first giant actual robot fight, it's it's like the first boxing match, I guess. It probably really sucked. Like, it probably was over after like yeah. one punch. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes those MMA fights that happen, you know, sometimes the that's most true, interesting ones true. are over in like seconds. That's true. So, just, and I, then none of them involve a chainsaw nearly cutting <laughs> off a robot's arm. So, I guess none of the ones that I'm watching. I you know. have like an image in my head of like 300 years from now like whatever is the equivalent of like podcasting maybe it's just like direct brain waves into mm. your into your brain but um of of like some brought to you by blue apron some nerds i know <laughs> some nerds that uh 
have a have a podcast <laughs> about pop culture history and they're sitting around and talking about like man that first robo fight probably really sucked but wouldn't you have wanted to be there <laughs> and experience it and it's like all the records time. are obsolete so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. they can't just go and watch it on youtube yeah, yeah. Yeah. or twitch <laughs> i can't believe that it was on twitch it was on twitch and then later uploaded on youtube that's yeah, yeah. where i watched it I, I watched it on twitch i because yeah. you watched it live because i watched it live because i like i said i saw it like like 10 minutes before it actually started i'm like oh my god that's about to happen well, right rem- now. Remember when like esports was the biggest new thing? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I remember Fatality being a name that got put on joysticks, but I never remember it ever being the biggest thing. No, no. I'm talking like like League of Legends and stuff like that, where they've got competitions. I mean, stuff. I remember my roommate like playing League of Legends all the time, and my eyes would just kind of glaze over as he talked about it. Okay, I'm more talking about where there's money on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, it's I, turned into an actual sport I'm, that people. People actually watch live streamed. I'm aware of that kind of stuff being like done, but it's like you, I'm just not aware of it being the biggest thing ever. I know, I know what you're talking well, about. Well, maybe. Okay. Oh, whatever. Let's become Robo Fight Bookies. Robo Fight Bookies. Baby, the, Robo Fight Bookies. The Robo Fight version of Don King. I don't know why I'm just coming up with different ways for me to quit my job right now. No, but, um, I don't know why that is. I couldn't possibly imagine. No, no clue. Uh, so that was that was. <laughs> Fun. Robo Jocks. The the news. That'd be the name of the episode is Robo Fight Bookies. Robo Fight Bookies. <laughs> we'll see if something better comes up, but yeah. if not, then yeah. <laughs> um. So I... other than other than that shared experience we all shared, there was another shared experience <laughs> we all shared this week. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Uh yeah. So we uh, as I think we've talked about before, um, all of us are really big tabletop RPG fans. We're trying to maybe get together something where we play it on the podcast. Um, but we started playing uh, Fate because our regular D and D group was unavailable. Um and we've been wanting to try it out for a while, so we got together and we made a world. We rolled up some characters, and I think we're all pretty excited about it. It's an amazing world. Uh, it was great. Uh, Shout-outs to our friend who kind of came up with this idea, because I had a few ideas, and then one of the other people who just kind of showed up at the last minute uh, said something about 1920s with magic, and we just kind of rolled with that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're making a, a game involving a group of like bootleggers that bootleg magical artifacts from like central and south america into into louisiana, into louisiana um with a boat that's very important the boat is very important alex, <laughs> alex was insistent upon having a boat oh my gosh a shitty boat a but shitty a boat nonetheless <laughs> i like how even in your fantasies it's like no it has to be the worst thing <laughs> I can't get my hopes you up too high. You can have nice things nah. in a role-playing yeah. game. Like, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we started playing that. I think, because um, I've been pushing for it really hard. Uh, I'm really, really interested in that kind of storytelling sort of game where it's more collaborative. And so there's less pr- pressure on me as the game master to come up with stuff. And we kind of just come up with things together. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to create all the characters. I don't have to create the entire world. Like everyone has a little bit of input in it. And it's, um, so we've fleshed it out really well. I have no idea when we're going to play again or what that first adventure will be when we do. We but... really do need to come up with like a time to do that. Yeah. Cause yeah. that's one of the bad things. That's one of the things that I find is, is, is 
lacking is time management when mm-hmm. it comes to these games that we want to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, we could play Spell sometime. We yeah. could play Fate sometime. I would yeah. like to play Spell again. I love Spell. Spell was a lot of fun. If if Did we talk about Spell on the podcast? I, I think we might have spoken about Spell on the Forbidden episode, but I don't uh, remember if we've talked about it since then. So Spell, if I'm repeating myself, then... Too bad. Um, Press that 30 seconds ahead button now, guys, if uh, he's repeating himself. If I'm repeating myself, spell is a game where you, uh, everyone's a spell caster of some sort, but you generate the spells randomly by Scrabble tile. And you basically, you come up with spells. There are a few that you kind of come up with in character creation, but the fun part is coming up with it on the fly and trying to spell out spells. And the more specific you can make it, the more powerful it's going to be, but you can also take that spell and kind of work it in. If you can convince the DM, then anything goes. (laughs) And uh, And thankfully, Alex would basically let us do pretty much anything with that. (laughs) The the setting that I I came up with this was for Anime High School, and it was the best. Anime High School. It was the best we had um a lot of fun with that and um legally distinct kaiju yeah legally distinct kaiju was uh is probably the best running joke to come out of that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that or uh bento love bento Bento love always also really good that was that was one of my spells and i created i i was able to spell bento love and in spell you can keep spells that you've randomly generated from your scrabble tiles a certain number as kind of like your key spells that you always go back to. And so I did because my character was trying to become class president. And what better way than to give people bento boxes that will make you fall in love with them. (laughs) So I was pretty, pretty excited about that. I always interpreted bento love as expressions of love via bento box, but I guess that's the magic of it is it's open to interpretation. It is indeed. And uh, that's going to be fun if we ever go back to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to. I'm sure there are I other people. I was so who... good at that. Yeah. I was, it was a role-playing game that I was really... I am not a great D&D p- player. Like, I am the first to out myself as as really shitty when it comes to D&D. And I've been playing or, for I mean, several years. The, but the damn, DM. I rocked spell like nobody's business. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well... You might, you might, uh, it might be the type of game that we've been playing from D&D that might have something to do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our DM, very specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not that we're going to out anyone. No, no, I mean, I've, I'm enjoying our D&D campaign quite an awful lot. Um, and there's, there's been a lot of stuff coming up like that we're, that I've been getting to be a part of. So maybe that's why I'm enjoying it a lot more, but <laughs> Elise also just doesn't know how her character works. I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, Elise and I are creating backstory in a whole other species. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't help that I created the world, but yeah. we have a different DM for it. So as much as I can, it's me against him trying to, like, pushing back and forth yeah. to, like, how we want this world to work and look. In fairness, that's one of the reasons why I really love it. Because I just, <laughs> I love, like, destroying the rules of the world that you've created and watching Aww. your head I'm sorry alex but Aww. like when we when we just kind you, of i as much as i enjoy i like i really like the pantheon you created for this world but the fact that we bluffed an entire other religion into existence yeah i'm gonna always, give you that one will always be <laughs> one of my favorite things to ever happen in dungeons and dragons mm. i just I want to go earlier. It was said that I don't understand how my character works. And one, 
okay, fine, that's true. That's but two, true. <laughs> but two, it's in my defense, I didn't create my character. That's true. That's true. I just like I I was going to D and D because I didn't have anything else to do on Friday nights because I don't have any friends. <laughs> hence, I'm part of this podcast. Yeah. And so, and eventually, it was like, okay, if you're gonna keep playing, like, why don't you just keep playing this one character? And I took her and ran with her in a very different direction than as she was originally intended. That's true. So she was supposed to be this kind of like Xena warrior figure. And I have just turned her into like kick-ass valley girl who is just ranger for hire, uses like and talks about seminars and team building and, and girl shopping trips. Yep. I, every time, every chance I get, I work in like some sort of girls shopping trip where we go out and buy ourselves something nice. And like a silver tipped axe. And it's a very distinct way of talking to. And the, uh, yeah. She might actually just be my shadow self. Like the part of myself that I really don't like, I've completely channeled into this character. And I swear to God, if she dies, I will actually strangle our DM. <laughs> <laughs> Well, her best her best friend got <laughs> awkward silence. <laughs> awkward silence because we kind of believe you. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's a little a little glimpse into what we do every Friday ish. Because yeah. uh, we're not normal twenty somethings who'd be at a bar. Yeah. Wait, people go to bars. Yeah. Oh, okay. In fairness okay. to me, it's because I, I'm not a normal twenty something because I'm a thirty something. So. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's on the better side of twenty, in that they're thirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, I was that was not where I was expecting that to go. <laughs> All right. So I mean, those are the things that we've been up to communally since the last episode. Um. Why? Who wants to take the first, like, what we've been up to independently? Alex is really excited, Al- so we should let him take Yeah, it. let's let Alex Okay, first. I am very excited because, like that time you bought a Pathfinder book yeah, and yeah, wanted Pathfinder. to share it with everybody, yeah. I too bought a Pathfinder book, despite the fact I don't actually have the Pathfinder core rulebook. Um, but this is something I've wanted to have ever since I heard of it. It's on Humble Bundle right now, in case it, you didn't know. Yeah, I had heard. I was going to look into that. Um but this is a, uh, I guess you'd call this a companion guide. I don't know exactly how you'd call this, but this yeah. is a companion co- guide called the Adequate Commoner, and it is for running campaigns and playing in campaigns in which most, if not all, of the player characters are the class Commoner. Commoner being the non-player character, average, everyday kind of farmer, regular NPC usually. And usually you're never supposed to play the NPC classes. The working man. The working man, the common folk, the proletariat of the D&D world. But um, this makes it so that they have the ability to actually go out and survive and thrive in a D&D setting as adventurers. Because I have a story I want to tell. I have a, a game I have in mind that involves everyone being commoners and being kind of in a village together. Um, But this does a really good job of kind of expanding on that. It adds, uh, basically, it it goes into the the commoner core class from Pathfinder and, you know, 3.5 D&D. And it adds on things like commoner jobs. And I just wanted to to list off some of these commoner jobs, if that's okay. They go really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically they kind of add on to it. They, they are templates that you apply to the commoner that add different skill, uh, classes, class skills and proficiencies and such. Uh, so most, most, ad- most commoners are, are kind of farmers. The first one is blacksmith. Uh, you have bouncer, 
you have a brewer, someone, you know, brewing alcohol, cooks, a failed apprentice, which is my favorite <laughs> one. I just love the fact that it's failed. Like, you can't just, like, play as, like, someone who is actually succeeding in learning. You have to be a failed <laughs> apprentice. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, there's masons. There's a militiaman, which pr- makes about the most sense for someone who would be a commoner. There's performer. Not a bard, mind you, but a performer. Without the supernatural abilities of the bard, commoner performers will set or settle for being backup singers or dancers. In the rarest case, they do rise to the level of star, su- superstardom. We can do you a tumble if that's your taste, and times being what they are. <laughs> There's a sailor, a servant, a shopkeeper, a surgeon barber, which you guys got really <laughs> yes. excited about. Dr. <laughs> uh, barber. A tanner, a temple keeper, which... It, Temple Keeper was actually something that I had been thinking about what clerics would be that aren't adventurers. Like, I had in this my, in my head when I created the D&D world, like, yeah. oh, some clerics don't go on adventures because they're busy being, like, leaders of the temple. Yeah. No, it's apparently in Pathfinder, this would be it. Cleric is something that just about adventurers. I, I don't know. I misread it or something. Anyway. Uh, and then Vagabond, if you want to be a homeless kid <laughs> bum adventurers bum adventurers oh, Adve- beat literal mur- murder hobos yes yes that's oh is that the uh, is that the story you want to tell the story no, no, no. Be- no, not tell. a stabbing hobo i'm a singing hobo. <laughs> uh, can you multi-class can i be a, a vagabond performer um i don't i don't know i, I want to uh, be a vagabond failed apprentice <laughs> i mean i guess you could just say you were a vagabond and and then everyone will believe you. What is? What is the... No, no, no! You're like a vagabond barber surgeon. Oh. You just like go rogue Traveling. and like I could do you a haircut or I could cut off your head. <laughs> Traveling from town to town performing <laughs> surgeries. Vagabond, the children of the street who are abandoned at a young age or who raised were raised by parents in a similar state. Vagabonds know how to get by, even if their methods can be less than legal. Thieves' guilds and militaries looking for scouts and spies recruit equally from this population. Proficient in throwing stones and one simple weapon. <laughs> and hopping trains. Yeah, these are like the Baker the Baker Street regulars of Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's banjo bindle stuff. Uh, <laughs> banjo! What was, that? God, what was the name of the uh what was the name of his mentor? Uh Gummy. Gummy. Was it a gummy? I don't know. Uh, we're referencing um, Thrilling Adventure, Adventure Hour. Yeah, uh, it has it has commoner weapons, which it's added. Throwing stones being one of them. It's got cleavers, crowbars, kitchen knives, mallets, pans, pitchforks, spades, and torches and walking sticks. Uh, and it's got the stats for all of them. It's great, and and it's something that I've been wanting to do. You two said you'd be down for oh, it. Oh yeah, absolutely, no, absolutely. No take backsies. <laughs> <laughs> And it's cool because we're bad at time management, so we'll so, never yeah. actually play this. We we fully intend to actually play it, whether or not it happens. Is that is the matter. key. That is the key indeed. Uh, but um, but no, that is something I am very excited. I just, I started reading this uh, yesterday and today. I haven't gotten through all of it, but it looks like a lot of fun. I wish like more people we knew um, had regular like Saturdays and Sundays off. Because I've been wanting to do, like, a brunch campaign for years <laughs> and just combine, like, the basic part of me, which loves 
brunch and lattes and mimosas and the just super nerd part of me that also loves like D&D and fate and fiasco. We were going to do that with Space uh, 1889. We yes. were going to do it with a lot of things. I think every time, every time a new system is brought up, Elise is like, I can make brunch and we can play. And then everybody's like, I work on Saturdays. Yeah. So. Yeah. My That's, schedule yeah. is wonky. Yeah. So, but no, but this, this, if it ever happens, this will be a fun way to, um, have some pancakes. Uh, it, I'll make them gluten free. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Telling everybody on the podcast oh, that sorry. I need to be gluten free. No, sorry. no, oh, can't crap. take back. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> it's out there in the sorry. world now. We are performing live, Elise. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. It's fine. Sure. It's sure. not. It's fine. <laughs> bad i mean there's you lots can, you can out something about me no it's good <laughs> all right there's so... lots of potential things that that might have been about all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying you know that we're... alex does not eat gluten now you don't know for what reason we're professionals <laughs> <laughs> we're professional some things uh, <laughs> all right podcasters not so much no no so well, so that's that's we should get some sponsors <laughs> No one would sponsor us. <laughs> I mean, you never know. We already buy from Blue Apron. Ten, so tens of people listen to this podcast. Tens of people. Yeah, tens 20, people. 25 people, I think, have listened to the first podcast. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It'll be yeah. 30 soon. It's oh, man. Probably in the next month or so, we'll have 30 plays on that first one. It'll be it'll be fun times had by all. So if you are listening to this, you know, spread the word about the podcast. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, and you can email us at somenerdsaveanemail at gmail.com. We haven't gotten any emails yet. We did get a message from a listener. Uh, uh, yeah. Did we? Yeah, we did. This is the first time right? hearing about this. Breaking news. Oh, you didn't hear about this? No, I no, thought, no. No, it was a message to the Facebook group. From a, a friend of ours that lives in. Oh, uh, oh, was this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah recommending recommending some web comics. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, I did see that. Yeah, I was thinking that there was like when you said listener, I was assuming that that meant listener that we do not personally know. Well, I mean, I think everybody that's a listener is somebody that we know I, in one way or another. At least somebody that one of us knows. I feel like maybe. we should know more than thirty people. Hey, if you don't, if you don't know us. <laughs> And you listen to this podcast. Send us an email. Or even if you do know us and you just wanted to make us feel better. Send us your credit card information. (laughs) Uh, We're actually the prince of Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. We have all this gold, but we have to to get rid of it somewhere. It's in escrow. You got to send us $500. Thank you, you, American listeners. Uh, (laughs) Your time is important to us. Oh, my gosh. I was on the phone with, like the some anyway i was on the phone with some company and i'm like 90 percent sure that i heard like your phone call was important to us and i'm like (laughs) it was important to us then we saw who was calling (laughs) suddenly not so much (laughs) Uh, so so that's not all I've been up to this week. But does anyone else want to talk about uh, what they've been up to yeah, this week? Well, why don't you? Why don't you finish your right. your I, list? I of stuff honestly have it. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna be. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been playing a lot of a, a game that I got recently called RimWorld. Have you guys heard of this? I've heard of it. Is that is it based off of a book series? No, it's or, not. No, that's RimWorld. That's RimWorld. Yeah. No. Rim RimWorld is um, the best way I can describe it is Dwarf Fortress with graphics like Prison Architect, but in space. 
Wow. For I mean, I I knew exactly what you were talking about. Like I pictured it in my mind, but I feel like I might be one of the only people hearing what you I, just said. Elise has no idea. No okay. Idea. All right. So so dwarf fortress. So okay. Dwarf fortress is. Okay. Which part of this explanation are you going to break down first? We're going to break down dwarf, dwarf fortress. fortress. Is the hardest thing to actually describe. Okay. okay. Right. Three of them. Talk to us about Dwarf Fortress. Okay, so Dwarf Fortress is a game that is still uses ASCII art as its graphical okay, interface. Okay, now you have to break down ASCII <laughs> okay. art for me. Letters and like numbers and stuff. It's like a, like, like an DOS, old, like yeah, MS like DOS. DOS. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was like made in what, like two thousand seven, something like somewhere that. like that. So ironically, it was made not not exactly that. ironically, but it was made because that's probably the best thing that the developer. Could do knew how to do yeah. yeah and and there's been people ages have been ages asking to update it to make it an actual graphical interface but no um the the thing is is it's very it basically you start with a colony a settlement of dwarves they mine into a mountain and usually terrible things happen to them random events or you dig too deep or too greedily uh, which is impossible for a dwarf to no do. that never happens uh and um Hey guys, let's go to Casa Doom. For the, <laughs> the this is this is epitomized in I what hear my, my my cousin Balin is there. <laughs> too oh, soon. Too okay. soon. Too soon. A lot of it is randomized. The third age was not that long ago. <laughs> this is um this is epitomized by what may be perhaps I'm not sure perhaps the first uh let's play that was back before it was in a video form. Yeah. When it was written, uh, called Boat Murdered. <laughs> I never heard? knew that. I think I heard about this, but I never knew the title of it. Yeah, no, oh boat murder. Okay, so boat murdered because the names of the locations are randomly generated, and yeah. it came up with boat murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and what what these what these people on a forum did is every in-game year they would pass the save file onto someone else. Oh my god! And so this this game went for like twenty five rounds, twenty five years, and it just it it's the most dramatic and the most dramatic failure you could have where everybody except one person dies and then just leave. Uh, <laughs> so you can tell the dwarves to do things, but whether they actually do it or not is up to their own minds. Like they have a bit of a mind of their own. And uh, so sometimes they'll get moods and sometimes they'll do this. Anyway, that same kind of concept set in space being it's a planet in it's, it's in the outer rim of the galaxy. You fall from space as a, as a, as a survivor of a, a shipwreck and you have a bunch of basic supplies. There are three of you in the base. You can start off with either three, five, or one person. Uh, and you have to build up a colony, build up a, a base. And the end game is ostensibly to build a ship and escape back into outer space. Mm -hmm. um, most people end up dying horribly before that. Yeah. Uh, but it has the... So hardcore mode for Pikmin. Yeah. <laughs> But it has the uh, the graphics of Prison Architect, which yeah. is a uh, another game that I, we can show you later. At least. It's 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 for 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 those of you at home, either Google it or it's just I mean it's little kind of like almost almost like cardboard cutout kind of animation. Yeah, like it's very cartoony. They call the 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 human figures pawns, and they like look like little like chess pawns yeah uh, or like little like meeples if you play like other board games like almost like a little meeple proportion. Something like that. They don't have arms. Uh, oh, but, yeah, they don't. But, the, uh, but no, it's, a, it's been a lot of fun. And the first, the, the first game I played, uh, I, I, <laughs> I died to uh, foxes. There, <laughs> there were these man-eating foxes, four of them. No, so man-hunting foxes. And they, uh, <laughs> they basically, 
they appeared on the board as there was a, an alert, man-eating foxes. And normally what you do is you, you get in your defenses and you, you shoot them. Well, not everybody was well. Some people were sick. Some people had wounds from previous attacks. And these foxes wrecked their shit. <laughs> and one person was, went crazy and then started beating up everybody else, opened the door, and let the foxes inside to where the wounded people were. <laughs> oh my god. It went nuts. Now, to be fair, in that game I was playing with the Call of Cthulhu mod. So, uh, okay. there, so, but the fact that I was expecting some eldritch abomination it to appear, and it was foxes. The foxes! Uh, that, that was, that was fun. I tell you. <laughs> uh, the second game I've been playing, it, things have been going much better. I learned how to build walls, so that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> uh, the important technology. <laughs> and uh, and I started a third game. The, the The second game was getting kind of boring, so I started the third game without the Call of Cthulhu stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been doing fun, doing fun. That's that's what you'll find me doing when I'm not working or here, playing <laughs> playing RimWorld. Uh, so All right, that's that's basically what I'm up to. Uh, uh, that and. Somebody said that they can play Doom on us on the Switch. Yeah, no, that's been the thing. Like, I, yeah, one of our friends mentioned that it's that has been announced like for a while. I don't know why he was just telling us about that. I don't like, know. You can play Doom on a TI eighty three calculator. Yeah, you can play. Yeah, well, I mean, you can play the original Doom on. <laughs> you can play the original Doom on literally anything. Basically, when anyone, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, one of the first things that anyone does when they build a new piece of hardware is figure out a way to run Doom on it. <laughs> can you run Doom on this? Yeah, I'm almost certain I could find it. Alex is holding up an old what is it, iPod Touch? Yeah, yeah, I'm almost certain. Remember when iPod Touch was a thing? <laughs> I'm almost certain. Alex remembers. Alex remembers because Alex still has one. <laughs> Did you ever find out what that message meant on it? Like it was like the hardware doesn't allow. Charging. Oh yeah, no, like it wouldn't charge. No, I didn't figure out what that was. Like like we were over playing Fate and and my my touch it, it said cannot connect to something like cannot connect to charge. Yeah, and it wasn't plugged in. It wasn't in. plugged into anything. <laughs> it was just sitting there. I took it home later and I plugged it in to charge and it charged up just fine. So. Maybe something was stuck down here and it was registering something Maybe. as pushing down a button and it didn't. Anyway. But, um, so yeah, I'm almost certain if you like search through the app store, you could, you could find a version of Doom <laughs> to run on your iPod Touch. I'm sure we could. Um, like, I think, okay. No, I remember what it was because it was the joke was about Skyrim. Like, oh, how you yeah. could play Skyrim on literally anything. And I was talking <laughs> about Doom for that. Yeah. 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 yeah Skyrim and Doom. You can play it on literally anything at this point. <laughs> Like any machine, I don't think is, you could get Skyrim on the. You touch. You probably couldn't get Skyrim on the touch. You could get. I'm almost certain you could get Doom on the touch, though. Um. Uh, so I guess that's to me. Unless Elise, did you want to talk about your thing, or do you want to save that for later? Because you do have one thing you just want to talk about. Did I? Yes. Okay. Did you want to save that for later? Um. No, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about it now. Okay. Talk um, about it now. Okay. So. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, uh, Nick and I work in convention land. Sometimes. Um, sometimes. You work more and... <laughs> than, than I do, but yeah, I'm there occasionally. Uh, so one of my friends from the Doctor Who convention in the Mid-Atlantic, uh, which is called Regeneration Who, um, which is the third weekend in March 2018. We're having our fourth annual Regeneration Who, so if you want to come see us IRL working behind the scenes um 
<laughs> you'll have to really know that it's us. Yeah. But uh, uh, so Regeneration Who in Pops Baltimore. all the stalkers out there. Yeah. <laughs> all 30 of you that we have no idea who you are. Um, so anyway. If we have 30 listeners that we have no idea who they are, I would be so I, excited. That, that. That's when we know we've made it. Yeah. Um, but we... So anyway, the moral of the story is uh, a friend from my from a friend from the Regeneration Who family, uh, Angela Pritchett, uh, is a ukulele player. Um, she does nerdy covers of various songs with her ukulele, and it's it's adorable. And also sort of eerie because some of the things that she does, like, you know, she does the normal, like, cutesy kind of covers. Like, I'm going to play the Doctor Who theme on my ukulele. And then she does things like, I'm going to do the Halloween theme on my ukulele. And you're like, oh, I might actually have nightmares now. Thanks. <laughs> so anyway, um, in the next coming, in the coming weeks, we'll be featuring some of her music on our podcast. Um, you can look her up on Angela at Angela Pritchett on Facebook. I'm pretty sure she also has a Twitter. And uh, in the next coming weeks, we'll, when we feature her music, we can give you some more information. But I'm really excited to share it with all of our podcast listeners. Yeah. Yeah. All 30 of you. All, all <laughs> of you that we could just tell this to in person. Now, now you had, you had mentioned something about the possibility of using one of them as a theme, or is that just for, for just to showcase oh, it? Just to, just to showcase okay. her music. Because, right. um, you know, she's nerdy and cool and has awesome music, so we should totally share that with the world. And by the world, I mean the 30 people that listen to this podcast. You are the world. You, you are the people. <laughs> hey, guys. You're our world. <laughs> Don't lie to our podcast oh, listeners like that. Oh, no, I'm not lying. It's just, you know, it's just pillow talk, baby. You understand? That's that's from Army of Darkness. Um, so I guess that's the, and transition to and transition. to what I've been talking what I'm talking about. So it's Halloween season. Ooh. Halloween Halloween month. Um what <laughs> Sorry, no, it's it's a it's a quote from one of our favorite um, shows called Community, which I've talked at nauseum about. Probably. But it's a uh, it's Halloween week, all, all day since day, day month. Anyway, um, but it's Halloween month, and so as as always during Halloween month, I just watch a whole lot of horror movies and play horror related games. Um, so, I, my horror-related game this year has mostly been uh, Dark Souls Three. I mean, it's kind of spooky. It's kind of you're like, not even um, going to play Bloodborne. Uh, I mean, I or, don't have a PlayStation Four, so Blood I, Souls? I, I would, I would be playing Bloodborne, but I don't have a PlayStation Four. Ah, but fair enough. Fair when I, enough. When I do actually have the money for that, I'll, I'll make that happen. Because that seems like more of a spooky. I mean, they're all kind of spooky. No, I mean, I mean that one is more skeletons and all of them. That's I guess. more overtly like Cthulhu, like like uh, Lovecraftian kind of stuff. But yeah. What's really spooky about these games is coming home from work, opening up the door and being like, "Hey, babe," and you just hear, "Fuck! <laughs> Damn it!" God damn it! Stop dying! And you're like, whoa! Oh. I'm I've never told anyone to stop dying. That's die more. Die, die, more. die, die harder. I mean, that's you just kind of have to accept that you will die playing these yeah. games. 
Um, but I actually, I was playing it before Alex came by to record the podcast today and I had a really weird experience with it. So, so Elise, we're not going another week without, no. <laughs> it'll never happen. It'll never happen. I'll, I'll, when I'm done talking about dark souls, I will probably play back through metal gear solid again. And I'll just start talking about that. That I can talk about. It's a never ending cycle. <laughs> yep. It's going to be one or the other. You just have to learn to accept oh. it. Um, so I was, I was playing, uh, so it was a very specific set of circumstances that I got this weird glitch. I was playing online cooperatively, um, fighting, uh, St. Aldrich of the deep, which is one of the bosses in dark souls three. And I, something happened where I was trying to escape from an attack and I got hit and I died. And as I was dying, the person I was playing with managed to kill the boss, which triggered a cutscene to start. So I was falling down, but before the you died screen came up, the cutscene started. <laughs> and I got teleported to someplace else after the cutscene. What? <laughs> and then immediately after the cutscene ended, I died. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had no idea where I got teleported to. So I like I had to like look around and like, wait, this looks like someplace else that I've been in the game. So fortunately, like, I ran back to this old location from really early in the game. And fortunately for me, my souls were like, that was where I died and my souls were still there. <laughs> it was just... It was this weird glitch. I don't know. I, Nobody I, will be killed. Uh, the the critical cutscene. Yeah, this like. critical cutscene. And I died before the cutscene. And it was like about to come up. And then it was like, oh no, Lord of Cinder Vanquish. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll I'll take it. So so what, what where was the location that you died in relative to where the arena fight was? Like nowhere near. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. It, like you got teleported after this fight, you just get teleported to another place in the game. That you like is way, way, way earlier. And so I'm like, oh, I I think I know where that location is, but I'd like saw it for a split second before I died. Oh goodness. So I'm like, oh I, I hope it's here. Goodness. Uh, is there is there a um mechanic to like point you towards where you died? No. No? Okay. There's a um there's a big glowing green patch where your souls are. So you just kinda go back to where you died. You usually you die, you know, not terribly far away from a bonfire that's kind of the way that it's set up so mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just trying to think from like a game development standpoint because that sounds like something that may have happened in playtesting where yeah. like you die and there's a cutscene. like what happens well this happens and why would it put you in that location that's kind of what i'm trying to I, because like that's just where you get teleported to after that boss fight like the, the, oh, that's does, like is that yeah. normally where you get teleported? yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. that's what happened is like and so it was it was just that that's where I happened to go next, but since that is where I technically dropped my souls, like okay, <laughs> which was nowhere near where I actually was, it was confusing. Oh, okay. Um, so, so you were meant to go there. Yeah, anyway. I was meant to go there anyway. It's just it wasn't just I, like some random other place unrelated. No, no, to no, no, it. no. no. Okay. It was it was the next place that you go in the story. Is it just teleports you there automatically at the end of this cutscene after you beat this boss? Good to know. Yeah, it was just. I probably am the only person that that's ever happened to. Oh, where, I'm sure. Where I just died as the other, as the boss was dying, I got the final blow on me and like 
the cutscene triggered before the game registered that I was dead. It was very strange. Well, it sounds like an interesting story, and uh, I'm sure it's happened before, though. Like, that sounds like something that they would test for. Possibly, but I mean, like, what are the odds of something like that happening? You happen to be playing that cooperatively. You happen to uh, die just as your co-op partner is killing the boss. And, like, before your game can register that you're dead, the cutscene triggers. Well, you know how I know that they had to test for it? Because your game didn't just crash. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I (laughs) they had to have some line of code that says if death before cutscene teleport to Y location. Possibly. I don't know. It was weird. It was it was it was a like it was a one in a million sort of like weird thing that happened. Well, um. So that was that. Uh, that, That's mostly what I've been playing. I played a little bit of um the Manos game, the Hands of Fate. Yes, the Hands of Fate. (laughs) Is this the the side scrolling? Uh, this is the side scrolling two D like yeah. kind of <laughs> Castlevania kind of like Metro um, or Mega Man inspired game. How is that? It's a lot of fun. It is stupid hard. Oh, I'd imagine. Um, like the first level or two, it's really easy, and I just kind of like like breeze through it. But then like from there on, it just gets like harder and harder and harder. Like there's one boss that I just, I've, I've been stuck on for a while. Mm. Um, so that's been the other horror related game that I've been playing. I've also, this month has been a great month for books, books, books. Um, works. So I pre-ordered two books. One has arrived. The other is on the way. Uh, the one that's arrived that I've been reading is uh, "What the Hell Did I Just Read" by David Wong. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, this the the third in the John Dies at the End series. Um, I need to to read that. Now. Yeah, it's pretty good. I I mean, I no spoilers, please. No but. spoilers. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything. But it's I, it's difficult to say exactly what it is. But I just kind of feel like. It's going to be hard for any other book to replicate that same feeling as the original John Dies at the End. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like, even the sequels, like, the sequels feel like kind of pale imitators, even though they're written by the same guy. And I think the reason for it is that... The first one took so long? The first one took so long, and it was basically just being written online. And so it wasn't just one story. And I feel like that's what a lot of the charm of it was, is it just kind of meandered and you had like all these little vignettes of like weird things that happened to these characters. And then like this book is full of spiders and um, and what the hell did I just read or like, oh, well, there's straightforward story. Well, like, you know, relatively straightforward, but there's like one plot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a beginning, middle and end. And so... And like it's parts of it are funny. Like they've got like they've got like different jokes. Like one of the things that he's did in this book is full of spiders, and he's continuing in this one is like having parts of the story that are narrated from other characters' points of view. Like they have um the the one and the ones that are narrated from John's point of view are always like ridiculously over the top. But it's like that's kind of the joke. Yeah. You know, it's like it just is like unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator, and it just like you know, like, you know, John, it's not, not really a spoiler, but it's like, and then John had sex with the grieving widow or whatever, or the <laughs> grieving mother. And it's just like, all right, it's funny. It is. It's not that it's not funny, but it's like, that's the one joke basically for these sections is that John is making himself out to be this like crazy over the top, like action hero in all of his sections. And he's really not. Yeah. 
uh, I don't know. It, it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Um, it's. I mean, I'm just interested to see more of the two care of the characters. Yeah, no, I know? love the you characters, know, the continuing adventures of of Dave and John. Of Dave and John. Yeah, yeah. and that, and that's always good. And I'll probably always like buy those books as soon as they come out. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way that I'm not going to. But I don't know. I just remember like the first time I read John dies at the end, and like. One page I'd be laughing my ass off, and then the very next page I'd be like creeped out and like looking around. <laughs> like the the one about like the the part at the very beginning of like near the beginning of the first book with like talking about the lawyer who just sees spiders everywhere, and the solution is just like, yeah, no, those spiders are actually there. You're not hallucinating. Um, we can't do anything about it. <laughs> They're harmless, but you'll just see spiders everywhere you go. Uh... Like. Like that, that really creeped me out. Cause Oh, I remember what it was as I was reading that in like, this was when I was still, um, was still in graduate school and I was kind of in the, the living room of my apartment. And after I read that, you saw I, a spider. I looked down and a spider was crawling on my chest. Oh, geez. <laughs> it, it was like, it was the per- most perfectly timed, like, Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, now you recommended that book to me. I did, and we actually saw the movie together. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah, we did when it like for, when it first came out. And when it first when came we out in theaters, the theaters, we went yeah. to Richmond. Uh, more location spoilers. Well, I mean, we, we do we, not live we in do Richmond. Do not live. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, because that was the only place it was playing anywhere nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we we yeah we and that movie was pretty good. I mean, it's. Uh, I like the director who did it and you like, again, you kind of have to, you have to cut a lot of that out in order to tell like a comprehensible story because yeah. it's just meanders yeah. so much. Um, I don't know. I watched it again recently, like not, not this month or last month, like sometime this summer. Yeah. I watched it again. It was on Netflix. Yeah. It's on it's streaming right now. Yeah. And uh, I don't know the second time I watched it, not in theaters. It, I don't know. I guess it had lost some of its charm. Yeah. I mean, it's well acted. That guy that plays Dave in that mm-hmm. was in another movie that I watched. I think I talked about it on the podcast. Uh, Beyond the Gates. I'm pretty I sure. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I talked about that. Uh, but he's, it's these two brothers trying to investigate their disappearance of their father who owned this old video store and they find a VCR board game kind of locked in his back office. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it's like cursed. And, like, his soul is trapped in this board game. Okay. Um, so they have to, like, play it. And it's pretty good. But, uh, so not Jumanji? Not Jumanji. Like, it's sort of like if Jumanji was, a like, a lesser-known Wes Craven film from the 1980s. <laughs> okay. Um, like, it's sort of like Jumanji meets, I don't know, like, People Under the Stairs, I guess, is kind of the <laughs> vibe that it had. Not quite as comedic as People Under the Stairs, but... Um, but yeah, so I've been, you know, I'm watching, I've been watching a lot of other, uh, so I've been reading that. I've also been reading Lovecraft Country, which have I talked to you about it? Do you, uh, I think you may have told me, but not on the podcast. Okay. So Lovecraft Country, um, is probably maybe some of our listeners have heard about it because it is getting a, a mini series, uh, produced by Jordan Peele, uh, coming up, I think next year, I want to say next year or the year after that is when it's going to come out. Um, but it is a novel, uh, in what I, what I is starting to become a growing genre of African-American Lovecraftian fiction. Um, and I kind of first got introduced to this by reading 
uh, a novella called The Ballad of Black Tom earlier this year, um, which is about a messenger and like kind of like con man living in uh, Harlem in the 1920s, getting caught up in this Lovecraftian plot, like basically finding a book and that he shouldn't have found mm. um, and summoning elder gods as a result of it. And it's very, very gruesome. Like the, towards the end of it, especially it get, there's a very gruesome image that sticks in my mind. Um, but it was very, very good, especially since, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, you know, even his big fans have to admit that man was a terrible racist. Pretty, pretty fucking racist. Um, and so to take the the works that he kind of came up with and use them a- as metaphors for you know, the African-American experience, I-, I think is a very good use uh, of of his works. Mm-hmm. Like there's some, there is some crossover in a lot of ways <laughs> and like Bla- ballad of black Tom kind of captures that very well. And so does Lovecraft country. So Lovecraft country is uh 1950s and it's, I think it's like, cause I finished one story and it's now that's shifting focus to another character. So I think it might be kind of like almost an anthology, but all the characters are like know each other. Um, I am not far enough into it to be able to tell for sure, but basically it's about um, black people in the 1950s dealing with both regular old, good old American racism and also like cults. And uh, the, the, the section that I'm reading now is is based off of dreams in the witch house. Mm. And um, you know, it's about, black people trying to buy a home in the, uh, in an, uh, in a white neighborhood. Oh, goodness. So, um, it's really, really good. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what, uh, what Jordan Peele does with it in terms of television. Cause it, I can definitely see it being a very good miniseries. Um, lots of action, lots of intrigue, um, some humor, uh, and just really good stories. Like if you're a fan of, of Lovecraftian fiction at all. I do definitely recommend checking out Lovecraft country. Yeah. Have you, have you uh, read uh, or heard of she walks in the shadows? No, I don't think so. Because that's, that's another book I've been, I've been thinking about getting it at some point. It's another anthology, but it's, it's uh, kind of because another, not only was Lovecraft rather racist, but he was also rather sexist too. Yeah. (laughs) And so all of his main characters are men, white men, from affluent New England families, um, but with, this with one proper uh, Anglo uh, tracing themselves shapes. back to the Mayflower. Yeah, um, except for those that are tracing themselves back to Dagon, uh, <laughs> but we don't talk about them. We don't talk about them. Um, but but no, this one is where it's an anthology, kind of of all of the 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 female because there are a few select few female characters and they usually only mentioned briefly yeah and these are kind of stories that take those minor characters and gives them their whole story huh and like it talks about uh asanath uh wait uh who is best known for having her father take over her, br- her body mm-hmm. and you know, that's a spoiler for a book that story that's been out since the 1920s which which one is that um that's that from okay, uh, the thing on the doorstep oh i don't think i ever actually finished You've that never one. Heard? all right well anyway Maybe. i don't know it's been a long time like She's, most most yeah. of the lovecraft that i read i read when i was still in high school so yeah. like a lot of these stories i don't speci- like i remember vaguely bits of them but. yeah i've been i've been rereading them with 
someone lately. But yeah. um, but yeah, so so there's her. There's other characters that kind of get their own story, and it's been you know written to bet them yeah. in a more sympathetic light because a lot of the the characters the female characters they have are are villains surprise yeah. surprise um but this puts them in more sympathetic light and it's it's something that's really interesting uh and i i've been wanting to to order it off amazon and read it i just need time and money and i've got too many other books i've been reading yeah too. <laughs> no i'm kind of in the same boat yeah because again, I've got oh, I've got one more book that I've ordered that's on the way, and that's the new Welcome to Night Vale novel. It devours. Ah, yeah. Um. So, do you still listen to Welcome? To oh, Night vale? oh yeah. Okay. I, I was actually just listening. I listened to the latest episode today, like okay. before Elise got home from work. Because I you you got me into that one too, and I want and listened to it for a good long time, and then eventually I kind of lost interest. Yeah. About, about a year and a half into it, you know. I mean, I I can see that. I listened to all the back catalog for Welcome to Night Vale when I had, like, a really long commute. Mm-hmm. And so I would just, like, download a whole bunch of episodes and... I would listen to like three or four on the way up to work. I would listen to three or four on the way back from work. Yeah, I, I my commute's kind of short, you yeah, know, thirty minutes. So I I would listen to half of it on the way there and half of it on the way yeah. back. But you know, it's it was it was all right what I listened to, but yeah. I'm not necessarily in that space where I'd get back into it. Yeah, but I'm saying like that's how I kind of got into it is I just like I binged the entire thing basically, and now I'm at a place where it's like I still listen to it. I mean, it comes out once every two weeks, mm-hmm. so like, a like half, us, yeah. A half, but but a half hour every two weeks. It's like, yeah, I can I can invest that kind of time in Night Vale, and then yeah, when like the books and things like that come out again, I mm-hmm. always get them, and I always get the autographed version. So I've got like a whole, I've got the the first one autographed. Um, I also have the audiobook of the first one, and then like the books of scripts I also bought when they first came out. So now the question is, can you listeners invest over an hour of your time every two weeks to listen to us? <laughs> yeah, we're on about podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> if you can send a check to, yeah. um, or send an email. To send an email. Send an email. No. I mean, I... please talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> we're desperate for any human connection. Anything. <laughs> Please, is there anyone out there? Anyone at all? Um, no, but seriously, like, if you if you enjoy the podcast, if you like listening to this, you know, spread the word a little bit. Get send send your friends our way. I'm working on trying to get a Twitter for us, so if you want to like tweet in the Twitterverse, I'm gonna try to work on that. But yeah, okay. all right. Oh, sorry. Like trying to work on the Twitterverse. 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 Twitter. Twitter. I think Tweety. step one is knowing how to pronounce it. Yeah. Tweety bird. Step Tweety two bird. is gonna be like actually getting a handle. Um, to do it but um, as long as we're just kind of yammering on without a specific agenda um, uh, if we can swing back to me oh yeah yeah, um, so one of the things that Nick and I have been binge watching this week is uh, the tick the new version of the tick on Amazon Prime Um, so it's if for those of you who don't know about the tick I'm very sorry no Um, (laughs) so way back in the 90s, <laughs> there was a very funny TV show called The called Tick, the tick. Called the tick. Um, which started off as an indie comic. Uh, it was an independent comic about this guy in a big blue suit who had, you know, he was bulletproof and super strength and could leap tall buildings, you know, all the stereotypical kind of superhero powers, but with none of the backstory and none of the... Um, uh, not none of the drama, none of the backstory, and none of the uh, like secret identity. Like the tick does not. He is he is pure surface. He is 
pure artifice. He does not go beyond anything. There is nothing. He is like, I am a superhero. This is who I am. What you see is what you get. And like, answer the call because destiny is calling. Will you accept the charges? <laughs> um, he has the most amazing one-liners. And so there's the tick. And, and mixed metaphors. And Lots mixed, meta- mixed, mixed oh, metaphors. They're the best. They're the best. So back in the 90s, he was a comic. Um, and then eventually got a Saturday morning cartoon cartoon show show with, and it was like great mix of, I love nineties cartoons because it was always that great mix of like, you know, like you could watch it and appreciate it as a kid. And then you watch it as an adult and you're like, wait, my parents let me watch this. (laughs) Um, and you realize like, Oh my God, there's, but you didn't get any of it, but you didn't get any of it. So it's okay. I mean, there wasn't, I don't know. There's nothing really I mean, I was gonna say blue and the tick, other than ah, uh, that's bad. Yeah, sorry, it was it was unintentional. But I mean, it is it's it's funny. It's kind of it's smart. I mean, the the uh, the Amazon series is definitely like ups the adult factor a lot. But like even when they did the uh, they did another live action version, I guess about ten or fifteen years ago, and that one was also fairly like family friendly in terms of the humor. Yeah, this is, but the Amazon Prime version is definitely like the as gritty reboot ish as the Tick can get. It is the gritty reboot edition. So, um, so the Tick's sidekick is a man called Arthur, um, and in the original series, in the original comic book, and the um, At least in animated the car- in, the in the cartoon, I should I, say. I, I will admit I have yet to read actually yeah. any of the comics, but in the original cartoon. He was much more, I don't know, willing to become a superhero. Um, he was an accountant who dressed like a moth um, to work every day. And his wings were in his briefcase. So he was always ready for adventure. Um, and he was, he was more excited and he was more willing um, to become a superhero. And then in the new series, um, they kind of deal. There's a lot of dealing with mental illness there's a lot more like reluctance on the part of Arthur. Um, it's less intentional how he gets the suit, like intentional on his part. Um, so that's really interesting in the things that it kind of plays with. And but still, all of those like wonderful one-liners. I, didn't I ask love. For this. I love the way they play with all of the kind of superhero, like nouveau superhero Marvel and DC with the mm. movies and the expanded universes. Um, and how they kind of deal with characters like the Punisher, who are very much anti-heroes, and how the Tick interacts with them. Because um, the Tick, like I said before, is purely surface. He is very like... Hug your destiny, Arthur! Hug it! <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that is who the Tick is, and so it's interesting. And he has a very, like, it is black and it is white. It is There is right and there is wrong. There is good and there is evil. And so... The tick now having to kind of navigate this, this what what would you say? I mean, it's it is a much darker world, but I mean, like there's there's always been like darkness in the tick, like even yeah. the, in the Saturday morning cartoon. Um, I don't know. There's there like the because the main villain in this in the new series is the terror, and the terror was definitely in the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. 
um, played by Jack Earl Haley, who I think that is a great casting choice. He played Rorschach in the Watchmen movie. Mm. And so like th- this wonderful, like kind of addition of like, Oh, actual like superhero cred in this TV show. Kind <laughs> of, um, he, he kind of brings some menace to the role, which is uh, still kind of goofy. Cause like the idea is that, um, like superheroes have been around since uh, the Tunguska incident in 1908. Oh, so that, so they, they have that, they explain that as being the arrival of Superion, who's the first superhero. Um, and the terror is one he of didn't, his... He didn't have a Russian name? No. no. <laughs> well, he's an alien. Oh, he had an English name for yeah. being an alien. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's like the Superman analog, basically. Oh. Uh, he just happens to land there in 1908, and he's still like young and handsome and like you know strong now like he's still the same character over a hundred years later just like superman Mm. but the joke is that the villain ages okay so like the terror is just like this kind of decrepit old guy (laughs) (laughs) um so you know it's it's good like it's it's really well done um i think probably my favorite moment because at least meant alluded to this that it deals with mental illness um my favorite joke in the series, because we watched the entire thing. The first season is only like six episodes long. Um, but the joke, there's one joke where for the first couple of episodes, no one interacts with the tick except for Arthur. And then Arthur realizes that while he's talking to someone and it starts playing this uh, like kind of like ukulele version on like whatever it was yeah. a ukulele version no, it was a kazoo it was, kazoo. It was, on it a, was kazoo. a kazoo you're right you're right yeah. it was a kazoo version of uh the pixies where's my mind <laughs> as he flashed back to all of the moments where he was interacting with the tick and then like did the flashbacks not have the tick in no because well, yeah it, it, it was it was supposed to be the you know the end of uh the end of uh um of fight club oh yeah and then like it has the tick following him down the street and he runs and arthur runs into his sister and he says something to the tick about like he she can't see you the t- a tick and she's just like yeah i can see him there's a big blue guy right behind you i definitely see him uh, so, totally so not much, gaslighting there's so much heart which is just like i'm sorry unpopular opinion there's a lot of heart in the tick that i think is missing from most modern superhero well, franchises. I agree with that. Outside of like probably Spider-Man, but it's like if, if you Guardians, you, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy and I think the newest Spider-Man Miss Marvel. The, the newest Miss yeah. Marvel. Yeah. Well, we're ta- I think we're talking about movies. Oh, just movies. Like, just like, movies. Yeah. Miss Marvel not, needs a comic. Um, uh, needs a movie. Just just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I think there's like a lot of heart missing from a lot of the really popular superhero movies and I'm thinking a lot of like Thor and the Avengers and those definitely I mean as much as I love benedict cumberbatch doctor strange as well but like oh you didn't like me as an american surgeon elise it's my benedict cumberbatch as an american impression it's pretty oh my God, stop. <laughs> stop. you should so do that right you should now. do that entirely um. for the entire rest of the <laughs> i need to get my hands to work again okay all right we're, we're done now teach me but- your eastern mysticisms <laughs> But, but and we're tick, stopping that bit tick, <laughs> but the tick has a lot of heart there's just a lot of like there are genuine relationships you can feel that the characters very much love one another and and have this weird fucked up family 
but god damn it they care and they're going to be misfits together and i'm just a huge sucker for anything that's yeah. like that so so please amazon prime if you're listening <laughs> like renew the shit out of this yeah. i'm going to it watch so many season. episodes it even ends with the with one of the characters shouting cliffhanger cliffhanger <laughs> oh oh my god yep. so that's when that's when my my week in media has mostly yeah. consumed with that and then over the weekend, we we binge watched some horror f- horror films with another uh, couple friend of ours. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Elise hates horror films. I love them so much. But we found horror films that like I would stay awake for and not mostly and not be too terrified mostly and not like have to watch through my hands because I'm covering my covering my eyes up. Was Horror Express um, one of those? No, yeah, it was not. No, but it was a uh, strippers strippers strip no, no, zombies 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 like... zombies 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 versus strippers. Strippers versus zombies. Get God, it right. I'm butchering I'm butchering that title. Um that one was actually I there was, was a surprisingly so um, good amount of craft in a movie titled yeah. Strippers versus Zombies. Um, like they clearly knew what they were making. There was another one that it was, it was really funny. Like there were some actually genuinely good jokes. I think probably my favorite was the fact that the zombie apocalypse they realized was localized entirely within this strip mall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so like, they like turn on the TV, like, oh, we have to find the news for like, turn on the TV. Let's find out what's going on. And it's all just like weird local access <laughs> stuff. Like, in the, cause it's the like early hours of the morning. Uh, yeah. And so it's like there's no news about anything. It's just like <laughs> happening here in this parking lot. There's a there's a pimp character that wants to and so not only is it like strippers versus zombies, but there's also this like weird rivalry between like the strippers, strippers and, and the, the prostitutes. prostitutes that stand outside the strip club to pick up unhappy patrons. I guess. And like there and it's also in a weird way like the it, they're like the sharks in the jets. Yeah. It's strange. You're you're expecting like they're snapping to come out yeah. and yeah. But like they should work in harmony together because they do very different jobs. Like they both work in sex like it just there is enough sex work to go around is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but there might not be enough money from the customers that go to that. Oh now. fair. Yeah. But, but there would be like people showing up at like the thing that confused me the most was when the zombies started appearing, cars would just kind of pull into the driveway and people would get out and attack be attacked by the zombies. And it's established like the strip club closed like hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Why like, are these people like, pulling up to this parking lot? Two in the morning, and it's like I guess like the strip club like doesn't have a Yelp page. Page. This is also made in like the mid 2000s. Yeah, so I think before super made in the mid 2000s, like before like web pages and Facebook pages became the default for any kind of business. And so I'm like, maybe people just don't know. Like maybe like the strip club, like maybe some days it's open till three and some days it's open till one. What? And, so like, it doesn't you just always close. Show up. It doesn't like, always close at three playing Funky Town while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Is, is this from personal like, experience? This is, this is from personal experience. <laughs> When I went to the yeah. UK, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, right. That's and we right. had the Airbnb right across the street yeah. from the strip mall and right down the street from the drag club. From the drag club, yeah. No, there was a strip mall. The strip the strip club was across the street. The drag bar was down the street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't get them confused. I can't believe you didn't go to that drag bar. I'm still <laughs> mad at you about uh, that. God, I, I was live trying to sleep <laughs> and they were playing there Funky Town. There is no town. sleep. <laughs> Uh, to, be, drag. To, to, only drag. To be fair, it was in um, 
in Soho. Yeah. Um, so I guess trying to sleep in Soho is just a failing That was your anyway. first mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, as someone who studied abroad <laughs> in London, I can tell you very worldly. Uh-huh. I hope this is like reading is sarcastic it, in no. the podcast. Probably not. Okay. Um, so what else? we also put on watched... the sarcasm alert. So, so that was, I was actually surprised that how good that one yeah. was. Like yeah. that one, it had, it had some really good jokes in it. There were some actually pretty well-developed characters, some of them. Uh, they Which had arcs. Weird. Like, all the strippers had arcs. Yeah. Yeah, what <laughs> well, the hell? I mean, if they're going to be in the title, then yeah. you would presume that they are the main characters. Yeah. And yeah. so they put the most thought into those characters. Um... We also watched Dead and Breakfast. Dead and Breakfast, which is one of my one of the movies that I brought um, that I've I've had for a long time. It's been many many years since I've watched that movie, um, and that's another one where it's like I kind of forgot how good it actually was. Yeah, um, it's got John Carradine in one of his last performances, as well as his. I think we I looked it up. I think she was his niece. Uh, was also one of the main characters, um, but it's. They're staying at this bed and breakfast. The main characters are staying at this bed and breakfast on their way to a wedding in like the middle of nowhere in Texas. Uh, the bride is played briefly in a cameo. Like she calls on the phone to find out where the hell everyone is um, by Portia de Rossi from Arrested Development, yeah. <laughs> which is like, wait a minute. Is that? Yeah, no, that's that's Portia de Rossi. Um, she's Ellen DeGeneres' wife. Um, when? Yeah. But uh, so they were so. Uh, cameos by by actors that you didn't realize were in the film. Yeah, well, and it was also because they weren't like really famous when the movie was made. Like mm, John Carradine right. was the biggest name in the movie right. when it came out, and then like Portia de Rossi's in it for like ten seconds. And um, who's the guy who plays Negan on Walking Dead? And now I'm blanking on his name. Yeah. Who's also in Watchmen? Um, who was also and, in Dead and Breakfast? And also in Dead and Breakfast as the sheriff. Yeah. So like, there's like all these like people who are big names now. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's what his name is. Um, who were big names now, but weren't big names when I, like the last time I saw the movie. So it was kind of interesting to watch it again. Um, but they're staying in this kind of like middle of nowhere town and John Carradine's character, um, apparently like has an evil spirit trapped in a box, like in his, uh, like you do, like you do. I mean, where else are you going to keep it? Well, when you're, when you're the guy from Kung Fu, obviously you have, uh, Chinese demons locked away in wooden boxes in your bed and breakfast, like. That just makes sense. I mean, I he my... was walking the earth until he found a place yeah, in Texas, yeah. and then he just settled there. Yeah, he just settled. He opened up a B&B. And obviously. lived until the 2000s. It's, it's, the alternate, <laughs> it's, it's the alternate universe Bill from Kill Bill, basically. Ah. Um, so uh, he dies of a heart attack. And then, like, the, these guys are starting to get investigated for, like, oh, was there because the, uh, the, the chef there also died. Um, and it cr- turns out later that what probably happened was that uh, John Carradine killed the chef because he unleashed the demon, and that was the only way to get the demon contained again is to kill the, the host. Mm. Um, so someone else knocks the box over. Like as they're uh, being investigated, he ends up locked out of the bed and breakfast, and climbs in through the window and knocks the box over. And basically, everyone in this little town gets possessed. It's different zombie rules for most other zombie movies, like because they're possession zombies. Because they're possession zombies, but even then, like it's different from like the Evil Dead zombies, where it's just like if you get injured or just like kind of as as they wear you down psychically, you get possessed. And this, it's 
if you get a little bit of the person, like a little bit of hair, a little bit of blood, a little bit of skin, and you put it in the box, then they become possessed. Oh. So they're not like mindless zombies. They're more like Evil Dead zombies, but like the way that they become zombies is uh, very, very different. So it leads to like a lot of fun humor scenes because like the first guy is their friend who everyone kind of treats like shit because like he's only going to the wedding because he's someone's cousin. So like no one really likes him all that much. Yeah. And so he kind of turns that back around and chops off one guy's head and uses it as a puppet for the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, there's a song and dance routine at one point. Goodness. <laughs> there's a singing narrator. Yeah. There's a singing narrator. Um, so it's, it's, Fun. It's, it's a, fun. It's a good movie. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. I and like watch as that. a as a somebody who doesn't like horror films because they get really freaked out by like the blood and the gore and don't in general like being creeped out that much. Like Dead and Breakfast is is it's really fun. Um and and honestly, I might even recommend Strippers versus Zombies. Strippers versus Zombies was again. It was a lot better than I was expecting yeah. it to be with that title. It was actually pretty funny. <laughs> also, the, the 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 part that we didn't go into the 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 stereotypical pimp character keeps threatening to backhand people, and then once the zombies attack, he does in fact backhand a zombie, <laughs> um, which is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and then what? Do we, we watched Black Sheep after that, yeah. and he fell asleep through ba- Black yeah. Sheep. Um, Black Sheep is a New Zealand is making some of the best like horror comedies, uh, like what like, we do in the shadows, like what we do in the shadows, um, Housebound, um, Deathgasm, and then of course even going back to uh, Peter Jackson's early movies like Bad Taste and Dead Alive. Um, this one was one from the again from the mid two thousands about uh, genetically engineered sheep. That <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. it's called Black yeah. Sheep. So it's it's basically it's zombie sheep. So <laughs> if the sheep bites you, then you turn into a, this big hulking sheep monster. Oh goodness! Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, sort of zombie sheep, but also wear sheep. Yeah. Um, it's 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 just great. It's yeah. It's, it's great. It's, it's, you it's have to zom- watch it. It's a zombie movie. Yeah. It has sheep in it. It's pretty hilarious. There's my favorite gag in the entire movie, and this isn't a spoiler because I'm pretty sure it's in the trailer. Um, is the they are being chased by one of the giant like were sheeps and the main character breaks open a jar of mint sauce and throws it at the sheep and it starts to sizzle like holy water. <laughs> yeah. And the special effects is done by what a water workshop who does the, the special effects of the Lord of the Rings movies. So they're actually pretty awesome. Oh my. Yeah. There's a lot of moments where it's like, did that guy just kick an actual sheep in the face? No, I'm pretty sure that's a puppet. That's a yeah. really good puppet. <laughs> really though. good puppet sheep. Um, so that's what we watch kind of together. And then I've been watching a whole lot of horror movies again because it's Halloween month. I've been watching a whole lot of horror movies are on we, my own. Are we going to do that thing again where on Halloween proper we I come over? And... I would love to do that. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Um, unless Elise is doing something that night because that uh, is also Doctor Who's Day night. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to. I need to talk. Uh, I need to talk to my friends. Because um, yeah, there's this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to. We need to find some. I don't know. I've. I've got now. I. I now own all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and all of the Halloween movies. Um, 
including the the remakes of the Halloween movies. I don't have the remakes of Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or Freddy vs. Jason. That's the one that I don't have yet. Now, uh, see, I I really want to watch uh, Evil Dead 2. Oh, you've never seen Evil I've Dead never, 2? We, oh, okay. When we watched Evil Dead 1, that yeah. was the first Evil Dead I've okay. ever seen. Well, no, we should definitely watch Evil uh, Dead 2 then. And I kind of want, if you haven't seen it, to, to show you guys Troll Hunter. Yeah. Oh, the, I, I still haven't watched that, but the uh, movie that I was talking about last time, the uh, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, is directed by the same guy. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I've been watching the Friday, because Friday the 13th was last week. I've been watching some of the Friday the 13th movies. Topical. Um, yeah, I'm, they're fun. I'm trying to do, I'm, I really want to go through all of the Halloween movies and all of the Friday the 13th movies and like figure out which series is actually better overall you're gonna make a listicle i maybe i might make a listicle i don't know i might talk about it on the podcast when i've actually done it um because if you're just going by the first movie in the series like halloween is definitely the best of like those slasher films and i would say like friday the 13th is only remarkable because it became this huge franchise like i would say that even like my bloody valentine is a but like the original My Bloody Valentine is better than the first Friday the Thirteenth. Unpopular opinion. I I, yeah. I wouldn't know one way or the other. Yeah, I don't. I, I and that's just. I, it's been a few years since I've watched My Bloody Valentine, so I might be misremembering it. But I remember it being much much better in terms of like the killer and in terms of like the creativity of the deaths. And so it's just like Friday the Thirteenth has become this thing just because like they kept making movies. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm curious as to which one is better because like after, uh, Halloween three, that franchise kind of died until like the end of the eighties where they were making Friday the 13th movies, like all through the eighties. I feel like like that's kind of why that fran- like Halloween came back as a result. What so, does Nightmare on Elm Street fit into all this? Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, like if you had to rank them. It, I well, the uh, we hate movies, guys. Is is going? They're going through. I know you had another series. podcast. Yeah, no, you had another podcast that I listened to. Um, but they've been going through. At the end of the month, they're going to like rank. They're going to talk about all of them, um, all of the the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But like basically, they've been on record saying that they think it's the worst of the series. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I I, I haven't seen a lot of the later Friday the Thirteenth movies. Maybe they get more entertaining. I feel like Friday like. If you're going with, again, just the first movie in the franchise, Halloween is, like, head and shoulders above the rest. Like, that movie, John Carpenter's Halloween is one of the best Well, you've mentioned it before, like, either on a podcast we did before on the Forbidden episode, you mentioned how it's, like, the the archetype of... It is, it's the archetype for a slasher It is the beginning of that. So, yeah, of course, the the kind of codifier, the, the trope trope namer is going to be but the one that's I, listed this the I best feel like i feel like it's the best because it is while it is the first one it's not really the exact same mm-hmm. like because a lot of the tropes don't really fit in with halloween like i don't know the the, the killer is not the main like most entertaining part the most entertaining part of that for me is uh dr loomis as like is sort of the the uh dr van helsing sort of mm. of the story like no you don't understand we need to do this to stop him like kind <laughs> of figure 
Um, and like his arc through those movies is really what makes them like entertaining that and um, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, her character, especially in the first one as just sort of this babysitter who has to like survive the night as a result of what's going on. Like she's, she's not like the typical last girl kind of like goody two shoes necessarily. Um, like she does do things that you think of as, Oh yeah. If you do that in a horror movie, you're going to die, but she's like super tough. And she does end up like, you know, surviving through, um, and like having more going on for her than just being like a shrieking violet. So it's a, it's a really, really good film. Um, it's a very psychological film, unlike a lot of the other ones. Um, whereas the Friday the 13th movies from my experience with them are more along the lines of, you know, goofy kind of tits and blood kind of movies Mm. where there's like not a whole lot of going on. It's like, and here's your cast of teenagers who are going to get murdered. Like, let's find out the most entertaining ways that they're going to be killed. And like the kills are way more entertaining. I will say that like those, like that's where like kind of the fun in those movies come in. Like, you know, you get things like Jason picking up a guy in a sleeping bag and like slamming him against a, uh, a, a tree or like folding someone in half in a folding bed or like uh, probably one of the most famous is a guy in a wheelchair at the top of like a, a set of stairs or a hill or something gets macheted in the face and then falls down the stairs. Yeah. Like those are, those are like classics. Whereas like Halloween, it's mostly like a guy with knife stabbing people with knives um, you know, there's not a whole lot of creativity there. Like, knife, it's, not, knife, it's not as much spectacle, I guess. Knife man. Knife man. Knife man Jack. <laughs> Stab man. <laughs> uh, again, stealing jokes from other better podcasts. Yeah. Um, so, oh, that's what I've been, I've been wanting to go through those. Um, just kind of thinking about them, generally speaking, because, you know, both Friday the 13th and Halloween in the same month, I figure it's appropriate. Um, I've also been watching some other movies that have been kind of on my to-watch list for a while in terms of horror films. Um, So the ones that I've been watching... What did I watch recently? Um, I watched two movies that are kind of similar to each other. They're both, like, found footage, like, sort of mockumentaries about terrible things happening at a haunted house. Like, like like a... Not like a, ooh, ghost story haunted house, but like a Halloween haunted house. Um, one of them, the first one I watched is called Hell House LLC. And I think that's probably one of the, the less known of the two, uh, is basically these guys from New York who own a company called, uh, Hell House LLC. They open up haunted houses around Halloween time are opening a new location. They, they were in Queens and apparently Queens didn't work out. Um, and so there's not enough people that want to get scared in Queens. Well, I, they, they, they allude to something like really bad happening. They don't oh. really say what it is, but basically they got like, you're not allowed to work in Queens again. You're, like the, the, the Queens haunted house guilds, like <laughs> drum them out or something. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. Uh, um, but so yeah. they, they, that's, you know, so they're looking for a new place to set up shop. They find this old, like disused hotel in like, uh, somewhere like in, in rural New York state. Um, and basically they start setting up their, their house there like the weeks before Halloween, um, to like, you know, right. They're going to open up like right near the start of October. Um, and these weird things start happening and they start investigating like the history of the house. And there's all these other mysterious things that have happened. 
And basically, like, you know from the beginning of the movie that shit goes down, since it's being told as a documentary, it's like, oh, here's what happened, like, on that night. So it starts with footage of people going through the haunted house, and there's, like, all the haunted house stuff happening. And then they get to this one, like, the, the going down into the cellar. And then, like, people are, like, screaming and, like, pushing to get out. And so, like, oh, the, this, everyone's been hearing about this event. Like, what really happened that night? Um, which is a great setup to a movie because a lot of the problem that people have with, with, uh, found footage movies, myself included is, well, who's editing this footage together? And there's an answer in this one. And the answer is there's a documentary crew. This isn't, these aren't the same people who film this stuff happening. They're finding like YouTube clips. They're finding security camera footage. They're finding like behind the scenes, like video, uh, doc, like video journals that the, the people making this were making. And that's like, that's a really good way of doing it. And then it's dropped immediately. Oh goodness. <laughs> like you almost forget because so much of the movie is just footage from the people setting up the haunted house. Mm -hmm. And, that doesn't come up that it's a documentary again until the end and then twist ending, but there's like a final jump scare at the end of the movie where it's like, Oh, well now the documentary crew is going to go investigate this and investigate this haunted house and find out what's going on. And you know, they get jumped at, they get, they got spookified and oh, monsters. No. And then it's like, well then who edited the footage? <laughs> you had the answer for who edited the footage. And then you had to put in that one final jump scare, which ruins their answer. <laughs> like you had the perfect answer. Well, I mean, it, Whenever, whenever a studio uh, involved in a horror film gets involved, and it's like, how many jump scares can we add yeah. to this film yeah. without making it hack? Yeah, and it's like the answer is usually none, yeah. but they don't know that, and, so and, they try to add as many as possible. And in fairness, a lot of the movie was actually pretty good. There wasn't a whole lot of jump scares. Like that, the, the the one last thing at the end was just like it was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. It was unnecessary to it being a good movie because like. Oh, they think they're interviewing the last survivor, and then it turns out, oh no, that was she actually didn't survive. Like mm. that's kind of the twist at the end, and then like they find her in the boarded up hotel, like at the end, and then they you know get, get got by ghosts. Don't get got. And so it's just like, well, the, the, then who edited the film? The ghost. <laughs> it was so dumb. <laughs> like, I want to see. I want to see the footage of the ghost like going about with like the the reels. The yeah. 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 It's like, did did they just, like, did the studio just get the footage anyway and decide to put it in the movie? Like, I don't know. It's It seems like it was especially frustrating because I, I, I find it annoying, but it's like, okay, I like the first Paranormal Activity. I think that's a really good movie, especially with the original ending. The original ending, and I, I think I've talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but the original ending to the first Paranormal Activity is great because it sets it up to where like i think you did yeah i thought i think i talked about it on the forbidden episode yeah where um the original ending is amazing because the way that it ends it's unclear as to whether anything paranormal is actually taking place or if the the girlfriend just kind of goes crazy mm. <laughs> like you don't know um and that's always the best. And that's and I think that those are some of the best horror movies are the ones like not not always the best, but a lot of the times like the original Haunting also has that same kind of um, thing where it's like, are there actually ghosts or is this woman just crazy and has snapped? Um, that those are really 
good like psychological interesting questions and then like of course in the in the edit of it in the in the theatrical release of it they change it for um paranormal activity um but i actually i I don't usually get bothered so much with well why are you still filming well a lot of the times it's just like you set it up on the tripod and you wait for something to happen it's like Let's just see what happens. Let's see what this thing is is going on here. Or here's some security camera footage that we found. This is a haunted house. And they they explain in Hell House LLC, another thing that I really appreciated is it's like, oh, well, we want to make sure that people don't get too handsy. You know, we want to we, we protect our actors, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so yeah, you have security cameras up. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then again, like at the very end, they just kind of throw all that out the window yeah. for like one last jump scare, um, which is silly because again, the, a lot of the movie didn't really have jump scares in it, like other than that one ending scene. Yeah. The other one that I watched was um, the houses that of that October built, which I feel like is a much more well known movie, um, and it's actually and a- who edits together that one? Um, again, it's done. It's it is done as a documentary. Oh, okay. Um, Does it ruin it at the end too? No. White, because they acknowledge at the beginning that like something happens to the people who film it, mm-hmm. and they're like, most of this footage was filmed by these people. Like, there's like a little title card that comes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Most of the footage was filmed by these people who were on a road trip to find the most uh, extreme haunted house in America. Like, like the you you know most, they have, they have most like, extreme restaurants in America. Well, you know how they have those like extreme haunted house where it's like you have to sign the waiver and it's like they they like tie you up with zip ties and things like that and like waterboard you or whatever the fuck they do. <laughs> Guy, Guy, Fury. Guy Fury. Yeah. Haunted house. <laughs> we're, we're on the way. Haunted to, town. We're on haunted town. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you know how they have the, They do. They do. These are like real things. Yeah. Like they they have these you know extreme haunted houses and it's like they can do. Basically, they, they can't actually physically hurt you, but they can, like, psychologically torment you, basically, is the, the way that you're – what you're signing up for. Oh, boy. I uh, know. Yeah. And so, like, these guys were on the look like, – we're trying to find, like, the most extreme haunt before Halloween. And they were filming this thing about the road trip, and we were going to make a film about it. The rest of the footage is film, was filmed by the Blue Skeleton, which is, like, the group that they find at the end. Like allegedly filmed by members of the Blue Skeleton. The Blue so, Skeleton. So like they, someone found this footage. It was like leaked online or something like that. It's a little unclear as to exactly why the Blue Skeleton was actually filming it. But they do tell them, like the people in the Blue Skeleton, tell them like you, you're gonna in 30 seconds. Like at the very end when they they wind up at the extreme haunted house, they're like in 30 seconds you're gonna remove your hood. There's a camera next to you. Pick it up and film everything. Um, and so I guess like they release it online or something like somewhere on the dark web. I don't <laughs> they know. They twitch it. They, twitch they put it, it on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like, I don't know. It, it it's is at least like okay. Well, there's the premise that these guys were making a documentary trying to find you know what is the most extreme haunted house, mm-hmm. and then like these other guys film this stuff, and then someone found just found this footage, and there is an acknowledgement of an editor sort of at the beginning by saying this footage was filmed by these people. This footage footage was filmed by these people, mm-hmm. and we just kind of put it together. Yeah. Um, that one was really good, and that like, unlike the ending of the the Hell House LLC, like it's kind of the reverse, um, where like you know like shit's gonna pop off in both of them, but in in I feel like in houses that October built, it's way more of a slow burn where you get like these little 
hints that like something is off right like you keep seeing the same actors in like places hundreds of miles away and like you'd see people in costume kind of just on the side of the road in the middle of the night and they would just like follow them to their rv and all this stuff and it was just like it was just like really unsettling and then like when shit pops off at the end it's like oh my god Oh my god. And then the ending is just kind of a gut punch and you're like like left there kind of stunned. Right, right. Um as opposed to the other one where it was like, okay, well, the movie's over. Movie's over now. Why is this continuing? Oh, we got to do <laughs> Oh, we got to do our, Oh, she was yeah. a spooky ghost all the time. Ed- editorial man- mandated spook, spook scare. Spook yeah. scare. Yeah. Um so yeah, that no. that one was also really really good. Uh, I re- I I do recommend Houses October Built. Um, Hal House LOC, it, it's worth watching. I guess just not the last five the, seconds. The, the last, yeah, the last like when you get to the part where they're like where where they ask like, oh yeah, she's she said she was in room two C, and the the concierge is like, room two C. We don't use letters in our in our number in our uh, room numbers just turn it off there because that's like that's the creepy thing you nah. don't need anything else just turn it off there just turn it's it off there and end it um when when it comes to to media doing the the found footage well and like having a reason for found footage yeah i think of the like like troll hunter does that yeah and yeah, it yeah. does it okay it like like it acknowledges the fact that this was edited together like at the very end but i think the best example i can think of of the media that i've consumed eat yeah it, eat it um is uh, Marble Hornets. Yeah, and Marble like, Hornets. Like that, the whole about. reason why Marble Hornets exists yeah. is because, you know, first off, you know, it was a, a, a student film. Yeah. And so, the, of course, is all the film. And then after a certain point, you realize people start f- f- losing their memory if they don't record th- everything. Yeah. And so that, that just that fact in and of itself makes the whole reason why everything sh- is on film that much more apparent yeah exactly and that, and I, what i love about this this is kind of spoilers for a thing that came out how many years ago three yeah. years now god something um, like that but like at some point they even acknowledge the fact that it's on youtube yeah like like the characters they they react to that and they're like what are you doing putting this on youtube for everybody to see my problems yeah. why are you idiot uh, it, it does a really good job of taking that that genre and running it straight. Yeah, um, and it, it does explain like even from the beginning, like the 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 inception of it, because mm-hmm. it was Marble Hornets was birthed out of the same something awful thread that created the Slender Man to begin yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, and like the the post, I remember the post that the guy that plays uh, Jay mm-hmm. made. The uh, actor's also named Jay. Yeah, um, or Troy. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. All the other characters except for Jay and Alex have names that are both their actor yeah. names. Anyway, but he but he basically his his post on the something awful forums was of that picture was this reminds me of something that happened to a friend of mine a few years ago and yeah. like I'll I'll post some things on YouTube if I find anything interesting. And then like the first YouTube video is my friend gave me these tapes it, of a film, student film that he was the, making. Yeah, the introduction of that is basically just a repost of the something awful yeah, post. Like, like just saying, oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep this here. Maybe if I find interesting footage, mm-hmm. I'll upload it. And then it's like, oh, I found this creepy, weird stuff happening in the background of some of these videos. Yeah. <laughs> like, Here's one of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I love about Marble Hornets, I, mean, I love a lot of things about Marble Hornets. I could talk forever on Marble Hornets, but yeah. what I, one of the things I love about it is um, Ebert actually gave it a thumbs up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, Funny. yeah. And, and the, pe- the creators of that, they actually, they 
blew up and printed out that his tweet. Yeah. And they framed it and put it up in their apartment. I mean, it's it's it is probably yeah, like you said, it is probably one of the best examples of the found footage genre. Because mm-hmm. um, it actually does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it actually does work kind yeah. of in that in that sense. Um, and, and then, of course, people tried to copy it, and yeah. no one really copied it very well. Including the people who actually made it in the first place. Yeah, they've... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so sad that they broke up. Yeah. I'm still bummed about that. What was, there was that, um... What was it called? Always Watching? Oh, Marble? yeah, no, no. There, it's the, the Marble Hornets Always Watching. It yeah. was an official film that came out. That had nothing to do with Marble Hornets no. other than the operators in it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They got the same guy. Uh, they got Doug Jones to play the operator. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also in the Bye Bye Man. So, you <laughs> know. <laughs> Doug Jones. I mean, Doug Jones is great. He's like, like a wonderful actor and a national treasure and like Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth and all those things. And John dies and John at the dies end. John dies at the end, yeah. Um, yeah. Wouldn't be the same without his creepy weird face. Uh, but yeah, you, you don't need to. Doug Jones, I think at this point you can you you don't need to accept every role that you comes can. Away, you man. can rest on your laurels. You can. Man. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I will, I'll buy Hellboy two again on Blu-ray. It's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll pay for that stuff for you. Uh, um, and there was I I feel like there was something else that I watched recently and I can't remember what it was. Maybe those no I guess those were the, really the only ones that I wanted to talk about. Well, that's all right. And if you can think about it, we'll put it in the next next yeah. week, next well, two weeks. Yeah, because in yeah two weeks will be after Halloween. Wow. So, so I, any any last minute spooktacular things you want to put um, into the Halloween episode that's going up? I don't know. Two weeks. I mean, Halloween? I'm probably gonna continue watching like horror movies. I'll keep looking for like recommendations. Maybe next time I'll I'll talk about like final thoughts on things that I did end up watching. Um. Well, well, the next recording that will be the first, won't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If I'm yeah. doing my math right. So yeah, we could talk all about it. Like it's still technical. It'll be yeah. It'll be all all Hallows. It'll it's be Halloween all Saints, plus yeah, one. Yeah, it'll be All Saints Day uh, special. Sounds good. Um, Sounds good. I think we gotta. I think we gotta wrap it up. Yeah. I so think... why don't you tell us the uh, web comic of the week? There. Web comic of the week. All right. Well, I've got a choice between two. One that I've been planning on. One that's more topical. Um, more topical how uh, Halloweenish related. Oh, okay, well, yeah, go you ahead. should do that. Go ahead with that. Go uh, okay. Assuming I haven't mentioned it before, I, th- I know I've told you guys about it, but I don't think I mentioned mm-hmm. it on the podcast. Probably not. Uh, called Brood Hollow. Uh, they might have come up on the Forbidden episode, but I don't think so. Well, if it was mentioned before, I do apologize to all you listeners who have to listen to it again. But anyway, Brood Hollow is a webcomic that is uh, very Lovecraftian. It, it's set in the Great Depression, and it follows this this uh, this character that is a encyclopedia salesman. And he gets a letter saying that his very distant relative died, and he has inherited his antiques shop. It's in the small little town of Brood Hollow, and I, I think it's supposed to be West Virginia. I'm not sure. Uh, somewhere in the middle part of the east. But um, but it's a small little town with a thousand holidays and traditions. Uh, very quirky little town. But the, the thing is that this guy has some severe form of uh, so, something similar to OCD, where there's a pattern he has to keep in his life. Otherwise, he flips his shit. 
uh, like all the doors, all the, the cabinets, everything has to be remain either open or shut, completely open or completely shut, nowhere in between. Like your kitchen over there would not fly for this guy. <laughs> um, and and so like like that and you know things like uh, you have to uh, when you go to bed you have to do certain things. But anyway, as a result of this kind of you know thing in a time where that was not particularly well known or well treated. Uh, he kind of is wary of any contact with people. But he goes to this town anyway, mostly because he's down on his luck. It's the Depression. He's going to sell the estate and leave as quickly as possible. But he ends up staying. And there's something odd about this town. This town has a lot of weird things, and everyone starts forgetting things. And so there's a lot in this about what is actually real and what is actually in his brain like we were talking about that when you were talking about yeah yeah you know, kind of uh, no, i do i i love that kind of horror yeah and i do too and so the, that's a lot of that in brood hollow and like the the first the first chapter book called curious little thing uh is is very much a kind of a ghost story the second one is very much more Lovecraftian, mm-hmm. uh, and it plays more on that forgetful nature of the town. Now, the unfortunate thing about this is it went through two. Um, they went through two full chapters and the beginnings of a third, and then it's been honey on hiatus for like three years now. Nah. Uh, I'm hoping for a prequel comeback, like I talked about last time, <laughs> where it'll just suddenly, all of a sudden, hey, an update. It's done by Chainsaw Suit, which is now best known for movies with Mikey on YouTube. Oh okay. Uh, if yeah. you've ever seen I, that. I know I know Chainsaw Suit. Um... Yeah. So so it's done by them or the person associated with them. Uh and so I'm hoping, hoping, hoping it'll come back sometime. But so far, no luck. Uh but anyway, that I think is is probably pretty pretty topical for Halloween yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And uh yeah. So Brood Hollow. Brood Go Hollow. check it out. Check it out. All right, guys. All right. So I think that's a podcast. Yeah, another almost two hour one. And uh, I hope you will enjoy again and again in the future, all 30 of you. Yep. Uh, but uh, for, for those that are listening, I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And this has been Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Thanks. Bring back Robot Jobs. Thanks for listening. Bye.